The Way Out Podcast, episode 194. The idea that this is building muscle that yeah. we talk about all the time, mm-hmm. doing that next right thing even when it's hard, yeah. applying inventory, reorienting ourselves to understand that our actions now can align to who we're aspiring to be. All of these things and the self-examination are all things that are like building muscle and blazing that trail. Yes. And the more we walk down that trail, the easier it gets to walk down it. The less thorny it gets, right? Amen. The less roots that are going to be tripping us up. We keep doing this thing over and over and over again, and it becomes easier and easier and easier to do. And we realize that we are being rewarded in a way that we've never been rewarded before. And we like, we like, because we are building a life that we want to be in. We are becoming people we want to be. Yeah, it's you know, being committed to this. When it's hard to do the right thing, I've learned that it's often a choice between long-term reward versus instant gratification. Yes. Or what's unselfish versus selfish. When it feels hard, that's a spiritual signal that my ego and self are getting in the way. Mm. I need to reconnect to the God of my understanding and channel that power to do the next right thing, which is always centered in unselfishness, service, and love. Welcome Way Out faithful and first-timers to this week's installment of the Way Out podcast. We appreciate your ears. Our mission is simple, to bring you powerful recovery stories and recovery power topics so you can jumpstart or re-energize your recovery from alcoholism and addiction. The Way Out podcast does not speak on behalf of, nor are we affiliated with any 12-step organization. The Way Out podcast partners with All Recovery Rings and AllRecoveryRings.com, where you'll find stunning recovery rings made from your very own recovery coin. That's AllRecoveryRings.com. The Way Out Podcast is a proud supporter of Transitions Daily. Would you like to join a free, anonymous online group that offers a daily topic email with popular recovery resources accompanied by a secret Facebook group for discussion? Go to dailyaaemails.com for more information about Transitions Daily. Don't forget to share dailyaaemails.com with friends, in meetings, and with sponsees in recovery. Make sure to check us out on the web at www.wayoutcast.com. There you can subscribe to ensure you get the latest episodes first on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Help us recover out loud by giving us a five-star rating and review on your favorite podcast app. Your voice matters, so share your thoughts on recovery with us by calling us at 218-382-1960 or leaving a message with us on the Anchor app, available for Android and Apple. Every week, we'll be asking for your thoughts on next week's topic. Someone, somewhere, needs to hear your share. Finally, a word of caution. This podcast may contain strong language and mature content. Listener discretion is advised. The Way Out Podcast is on 
right now. Along with the co-host with the mostest, Jason, I'm Charlie, and we've got a stellar rendition of The Way Out on a topic not oft discussed in or out of recovery. Many of us are quite familiar with the recovery mantra, do the next right thing when faced with uncertainty and how to act in a given moment or situation, and for good reason. The saying embodies the idea that we need to act our way into right thinking, rather than think our way into right living. We have new spiritual principles that we're now aiming toward, principles that are rooted in love and guided by a power greater than ourselves. What happens, way outcasters, when it's hard to do the next right thing? How do we move through decisions and situations where doing the right thing is also seemingly the most difficult thing? It's times like these where the old platitudes of just do it and don't think just do frankly fall short and rather flat. While these suggestions might be well-intended, they're not all that practical or helpful when we're faced with a daunting decision that has us deeply conflicted. We're going to fill in the gaps for you on what and how to do when it's hard to do the next right thing. Plus, we'll share feedback from the sober and serious community and take your calls. So listen up. Jason. What up, brother? We're on episode 194. What? Dang straight. Dang. This episode is all about when it's hard to do the next right thing. Yeah. Because I think we are all capable of doing the right thing when it's easy. (laughs) Which it rarely is. But when it's difficult that's when the rubber meets the road and we need to make a difficult decision a decision which is maybe at odds with something that we want or at least something that we think we want or something that we think we need and there is a contention between those two things. So we're going to dig into that whole concept of why it's hard to do the right thing sometimes and what we can do practically in order for us to move through that difficulty, that pain, that consternation, whatever's blocking us from doing that next right thing. Right. We're going to introduce some tools and you can apply that will allow you to get through that so that we can continue to do it the right thing. Right. And recognizing how easy it is to take the, the wrong route, you know, like uh, because it's the easier, softer way and it usually just causes more problems and compounds the issues. But like when we're doing the right things, it might hurt in the moment, but you will get gratification from that choice, you know, it, and it'll be the kind that sticks around that delayed gratification. But, I'm glad yeah, you invoked yeah. the easier, softer way oh, yeah. because that's the flip side of doing the next right thing. 
yep. of going to any lengths. Remember that we decided that when we began our recovery process, our 12-step recovery process, that we were going to go to any length right. in order to get sober. Any length, not some lengths, not half mm -hmm. lengths, not three-quarter lengths, not yeah. when it's easy lengths, but half any length. It, Half measures don't avail me half even. They don't avail me nothing. That's right. <laughs> but we do forget that shit because it's like, uh, maybe you don't want a confrontation. Maybe you don't want no drama. Maybe you're whatever, fearful, you know, of the outcome. I think the first thing to recognize is that it's absolutely normal to feel that tug of war between choosing what's right versus what we want in the moment. Dude, if anything, it means you're doing this shit right. That you're feeling it, that your conscience is yeah. kicking in. The reason we feel conflicted is because we're human. And having a conscience is how we tell right from wrong. And it's a defining characteristic of our humanity. Dude, that's where I was going to say is something similar to that, which is just that when you're in this state of mind and you're feeling all messed up because you messed up or... Or, or you're, you're literally being plagued by knowing that you need to like take this certain action, but you you can't bring yourself to do it. And that's, that would be the right thing. Right. Um, to sit back and realize for a second that the old, you wouldn't even be sitting here thinking about this shit and that that gift of self-awareness is a blessing and you're, you know, you're entertaining those notions. You're examining that stuff. You're looking at your motives and you're worrying about, uh, other things than just how you're going to feel, you know, that's good. That's good. You know, we're going to make mistakes along the way, but not everybody's sitting there even worrying about the shit. Most people are oblivious to it. You know, And I think examining your motives, Jason, is a really good point and a good thing to bring up here because choosing between right and wrong, especially when it's difficult, is all about motives. Right. It's all about what is driving my behavior, my decision-making process. You know, there's a good reason it's sometimes hard to do the right thing. Yeah. Why it's hard to always do the right thing. There are really good reasons for that. And one of the biggest reasons is it can hurt our ego. Yeah. Which is largely concerned with selfish, self-centered pursuits. Loss of pride or esteem, security, attention, sex, money, or personal relationships will cause the ego to put up a fight. In, in essence, the ego fears it won't survive without these things. The ego craves these things. And so if the right thing is to do something that is against our ego we're going to feel that tug we're going to feel that conflict yeah totally if you listen to episode 173 by the way we address all aspects of the ego specifically so check that out because often our ego is at play when we're having difficulty doing the next right thing Shit, we were just talking about that, you know. <laughs> it's so funny, you know. It's a ongoing, all this stuff, really, you know, is ongoing uh, work in progress type shit. We're always learning. We're always growing. 
what do you what do you call it like it's a character defect whack-a-mole you know <laughs> it really is man it yeah. really is now as you pointed out there's an awareness that we have today hopefully as a result of the work that we've done if you're following the 12 steps that's doing all of the steps in order with a sponsor and if you've done that work then you're going to have this level of awareness that you didn't have before that is really rooted in self-examination and Thoreau once said uh, an unexamined life is a life hardly worth living Wow. And I and I couldn't agree more with that in terms of how helpful self-examination is. And that's yeah. a recovery tool that we can use. We'll talk a little bit more about that later, but that's a recovery tool that we can use in order to get through these difficult decision-making processes when we're at odds with ourselves about what to do. Okay? <laughs> yeah. Another thing to be aware of in terms of why it can be hard to do the right thing is it can mean change, which is difficult for a variety of reasons. Mm. And one of the biggest reasons change is difficult is because it's it, it, change, change is rooted in fear, the, the, the fear of the unknown. Fear won't be able to live without what we have right now, right? So, so if doing the right thing requires change, it's really likely that, again, our ego is going to put up a fight. There's going to be yeah. an internal conflict there. We're going to immediately get the, I don't want to do that. I like things the way they are. Well, it's funny though, because there's, there's this quote that I heard a long time ago and always stuck in my head. I do not know who said it, but it said, there's two things addicts hate, change and staying the same. <laughs> <laughs> so that, you know, back to that goes back to what I was saying before about how like many times we're tormented by the, by the thing that we won't do, you know, it'll eat at you. And you still can't seem to do it. You know, you still can't seem to do the right thing, even though you know you need to, you know, you know it's hurting you that you're not. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Check out episode 189, by the way, for an entire episode all about change and why change is difficult. Mm. We addressed that. I think really well in that episode. So if you're interested and haven't listened to it yet, or it's been a while, go ahead then check out episode 189, which is all about change and recovery. Another reason why it can be hard to do that next right thing is it might hurt someone else's feelings. Mm. And I'm not saying that, you know, in this instance that um, I'm advocating for hurting somebody's feelings, but ending a toxic or an unhealthy relationship inevitably is going to cause some hurt feelings. Right. But it's the right thing to do for them and for us, right? Yep. So often we may be in a situation where we don't want to make that decision because it's hard. Mm. And part of why it's hard is because we know that person is going to be hurting. Right. 
and we know we need to do it anyway. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a line there for sure. And I mean, sometimes it's hard to decipher where that line is. And in those instances, you know, I, I really lean on my, my support system. You know, I, I talk to you, I talk to my sponsor, I talk to yeah. people that I trust to help me kind of navigate that because, you know, it's not always clear, but when it is clear and it's eating me up, then don't, don't fight it, man. Just do it. You'll be so happy you did. Last but not least, I think one of the reasons it can be difficult to do the next right thing is that it could be painful. There could be some pain involved in doing that next right thing, so we naturally avoid it. The next right thing might be doing some therapy work, which we know is going to involve some emotional pain. Right. But we know it's the right thing to do. Or doing some inventory mm -hmm. around something that is blocking us or causing problems. And we know that there could be some pain yeah. in that process. And we're going to do that anyway, right? So, so that obvious, there's an obvious pain avoidance phenomenon going on there as well. And that can make it difficult to do the right thing. That's self-preservation, man. It's a survival mechanism, you know? Totally. Totally. Honestly, when it probably worked for us for a lot of years, you know, and now it uh, doesn't because we have the heightened awareness, right? And, and we know we're just more aware of the fact that it's toxic and it's not good for us or whatever it is, you know. So to share a story of recent vintage that I think illuminates the next right thing quite well. So... My son, Alex, went for his second driving test on Thursday. I was all excited, thought he was ready to rock and roll. We get there, he takes the test and fails it. Oh, no. Yeah, for the second time in a row. So is he just getting nervous? I mean, because I know it, you've been It was driving. all nerves. All nerves. 100%. Yeah, yeah that gets in the way. <laughs> And I expected my, – my expectations were way up level 10, man. Like, I was convinced the boy was going to pass. Right. So, I was – I was probably – this second time, I think the first time he was clearly – I know he was clearly way more devastated <laughs> than I was. Well, and I know, was you, like, dude, you, it's going to be – You could have administered the test. He was – he's comfortable with you by this totally. point. I mean, you're always there when he's learning. Absolutely. Guiding him. <laughs> so – I'm really upset, not at him, but I'm upset because my expectations were really, really high. Right? What did I do wrong? Yeah, and <laughs> if I'm in, in, so let me continue the rest of the story. So they, there's this white card that you turn in in order to be able to take your test. Well, I'm, I'm halfway back from the test station. I realized they didn't give that back to us and he's going to need to take the test again. And, and, and I don't know if we need that again. I think we do, but I don't know, right? So anyway, I called the DMV and I legit was on hold for two hours before um, they straight hung up on me. Right? What? I was, Jason, I haven't been so fucking pissed. <laughs> I was, I went fucking nuclear, dude. I went I nuclear. Okay? <laughs> Cherry head. <laughs> oh, 
Damn. I mean, Angela was starting to pat. No, she wasn't. But still, I was. <laughs> I I was a level ten fucking pissed. And I'm Angela and I are walking, and I'm just fuming. I'm just fuming. Mm. And I allowed myself to calm down before making any rash decisions, but I started to apply some inventory and some self-examination. In the moment or later? Like that afternoon. So the test was in the morning. It was that afternoon that I started to, like, why was I so mad about that call? Why was I so upset about Alex not passing? What's going on here? It's got to be more than just that. What's going on here? The reality, as I peel back, the layers were two things. Number one, I had expectations that were were not met. Right. My first expectation was that Alex was going to pass the test. And this is important. I would be done with the practice with Alex. I would be done setting up cones in a parking lot every couple of days. I would be done with uh, session after session after session after session of driving practice. I would be released from that duty. And I wanted to be. Right. And so when he didn't pass... My ego, my self-centeredness, my selfishness kicked in. It was like, damn it, I've got to keep doing it. Right? But well, I didn't can, realize. Can you get a driver's ed company to like come and, take him out once a week or something? So he's done that piece of it already, oh, right? Okay. Um, and then the second piece was I felt like I failed. Shoot. Right, right. Because I must have done something wrong or whatever it is, right? So after doing that self-examination and realizing, number one, that's not the kind of person I want to be. That's not who I'm trying to be. I'm not trying to be a selfish person who only cares about himself and just wants more time back, right? And doesn't want to spend time, you know, with my son. That's not the person I'm trying to be. That's not the person I want to be. So so I applied some inventory realized what parts of self were being affected, which was my pride and my, and, and my, you know, uh, my selfishness, my time. Right. Mm. Um, and then realized that really ultimately I want to be a father that in, that is willing to do that for his son and right. that is willing to, you know, do the hard work that's necessary in order to help him, succeed right that's what parenting is about so so then it became easy to do the next right thing and the next right thing was to practice even more than we were practicing before right and to practice different and to work together better in order to get him to be better at driving right right and that was the answer and it didn't feel like I was sacrificing anything after I realized that, that this, this is who I wanted to be all along. Right. I was just going to kind of interject with that. Like these are the kinds of things that these are problems we get to have today because before we probably wouldn't have even had the privilege, you know, to, to do that, you know? Absolutely. Like, absolutely. You'd 
they'd be like, no way, you know, he's drunk half the time. He'd probably be drunk behind, you know, in the car with him, fucking not letting him teach him how to drive, you know, whatever. And sad but true, you know, but we, we do lose sight of that in, when we're in the midst of this shit. And I hear you, man. That's that's awesome, though. That's pretty deep and a really good uh, uh, illustration of, of this process that we have to live with all of our situations right like absolutely um, we need to think deep like that and, and explore it and work through everything so that we're not left with a bad taste in our mouth and the resentment that we're harboring you know right and now i'm able to because i applied that inventory process i i executed some self-examination and got through that and made the hard choice of doubling down on the practice and practicing different. We've identified the things he really needs to improve upon. And guess what? In three days, he is literally a, probably a, 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 a twice as good of a driver as he was just three days ago, because we're doubling down on the things he needs to improve on instead of letting certain things slide. So, so it's overall, it, it's just good, 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 good. Right. Um, yeah. so that's, that's the idea here. Huh. That's what we're, that's what we're after here. Well done, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good tell, thing, but- tell Alex too. I said, good job. Not giving up, man. I know I will do that. at that point he probably felt kind of discouraged, but you know, it's awesome that he's he's not quitting. He is not. There's there is no quit in him, and he's now really, you know, on uh, a really great improvement track. So I'm really proud of him uh, for that. And I didn't have to. Yeah. Um, it didn't have to spiral real negative. Even though I was very angry internally, the other right. benefit of recovery is that didn't get taken out on anybody. You yeah. know, minding their own damn business. You know, in Active alcoholism and addiction, Jason, not only would I have gotten completely hammered over that, right. no, I mean, 100% would have gotten hammered over that. I also would have taken it out sideways on some unsuspecting person that happened to be close to me, you know, yeah. that, you know, clanged a dish the wrong way, you know, and I would have just unloaded on them. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you know uh, what I mean? That, he's not, that's not going unnoticed with with him or with with anyone you know in, yeah. in your household like your the, the fact that you went through this whole process uh with what you were dealing with and and you found healthy solutions uh and and stayed engaged in that process with him and and stayed positive and hopeful for the situation man i mean that you're leading by example he's got a great role model man. like you're a good dad and, and it's because of this program and it's because of people in this program that you have modeled that for me. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's what this was about. So yeah, I so, didn't know how to do that shit. Before. No, are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> I just I laughed so hard about that, but for real, like, come on. yeah, no way, no <laughs> way would any of this happen. So <coughs> we can apply the inventory process, we need to practice and execute our self-examination skills in order to get at the root of why we're conflicted between right and what we seem to want or need instead. So we can ask ourselves, what part of self does this affect? Fear of losing something you have or not getting something you want? 
self-esteem or pride, security, whether that be financial or emotional, sex relations, personal relationships, or anything else that would um, take away something that we think we need or want in order to survive or in order to be happy, right? Right. And so once we've identified that, we can pray for the willingness and courage to work toward the opposite principle. And our higher power is important here. In terms of um, getting through this next phase, like if I've realized, like going back to the story with my son, right? If I realize that this is self-centered and that, and selfish, and that I had my expectations were out of whack, then praying for the willingness to be unselfish, to be helpful, is helpful for me in engaging my higher power, right, in that process. Couldn't have said that better myself. That's, that's right. Identifying what exactly is causing the problem within myself is really the biggest step. Once I realize that doing the right thing is in perfect alignment with the person I want to be, the person I'm trying to be, doing that next right thing becomes much, much easier. Mm. So the process of doing the next right thing in the inventory and self-examination process is really critical to our ongoing sobriety and our ongoing quality of our recovery, right? Right. As we engage in this process, it's really, in my mind, as you said off the top, Jason, we have these moments where God is calling to us or, or, or my higher power is trying to speak to me. And when I feel that tug between what I want and what I and, 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 the, and the right thing to do, it's a higher power moment. It's a moment to recognize that I have the ability to apply some, some program here, some tools here in order to get through this and continue to live according to the principles I aspire to. Right. I always word it like this, like I can, I can start to recognize these painful or uncomfortable moments um, as opportunities for growth, you know? Yes. So I'm literally perceiving it differently as I'm going through that stuff today. Yes. Yes. If I can recognize how it feels to have that tug of war between what I, what my selfish ego wants versus what that right thing is, if I can recognize what that feels like, Mm-hmm. then I can recognize that and reframe it as an opportunity to be able to align with the principles I'm trying to achieve here. Yeah. Rather than looking at it like, well, um, even if I do do it, I'm going to be do it, doing it grudgingly, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to do it kicking and screaming, that kind <laughs> of thing, Right. Um, I can look at it in a much different way as an opportunity to not only grow, as you so well pointed out, but also be of service and act right. in love and act way more out of love than out of that fear and 
mm-hmm. you know, that other, that other place where my ego drives me to be. And the good news is that the more that we're willing to take these actions, even though something's blocking us or trying to stop us from doing it, that will actually like you can act your way into right thinking. So the more you do those things, the more you're going to begin to notice this paradigm shift that we're talking about, you know, and you're going to start to perceive these situations in a different way. That's a tremendous point about acting your way into the right thinking rather than trying to think your way into the right acting. Even if it's hard, even if I'm not wanting to do it, the kicking and screaming element that I talked about, Right. I can still do that thing anyway. And yeah. when I get the right payoff, because I did the right thing and I get that spiritual payoff. And you will. And you will. Yep. Then that reward incents me to be able to do it again. And my brain learns mm. and gets reprogrammed toward that kind of reward. Yeah. The long-term reward of doing the right thing. Exactly. It's beautiful. It is indeed. You know what else is beautiful? We have some feedback from the Sober and Serious community on the topic of the day. That, my friend, Hmm. is beautiful. Can't wait to hear this. Time now to hear what the Sober and Serious community says about this week's topic. Every week, we share select responses to the weekly show topic, which is posted every Wednesday as the topic of the day on Sober and Serious on Facebook. Your experience, strength, and hope continue to amaze and inspire. So keep up the great work, you guys. Yeah, all right. So the topic of the day was... Why is it sometimes the right thing to do is also the hardest? How do you deal with it when it happens to you? And we use initials to protect the innocent. That's a fact. Jack. HC says honesty. I think that's an important point. Get honest with ourselves. That's a part of that inventory process mm-hmm. that we spoke about is being honest with ourselves about what our true motives are. And you spoke to that early on too, the motives piece. What are our motives? And we can only get at our motives, our true motives, if we're being honest, right? Right. GW, when I became sober 10 months ago, I knew it was the right thing for me to do, but I knew it was going to be hard because my so-called friends would disappear on me and say I'm lame now. (laughs) (laughs) And not fun anymore. I realized that true friends stay around no matter what you decide on doing with your life. It's also hard because when you have lived your life with either alcohol or drugs and then trying to adapt to sober living, it can be challenging because it's a different mindset you have to face. Mm -hmm. I literally live life day by day now. And I fully explain to people my story. And if they want to be a part of my life, they are more than welcome to. And if I'm going to be judged because of what I did to change, that I have no time for them in my life. It's about living life to make yourself happy first. Others come afterwards. Yep. You so can't I would say that's from a, an empty cup. No doubt. And they say it's a selfish program, right? Uh, and Got what that be. means is that we—that's the self-care piece. So I think I think GW speaks to the self-care piece. I try to put people first in my life. 
today because even though that's my mindset, I'm never going to not put myself really first. Like, you know what I'm saying? So anyway. But the gift of self-awareness is going to tell you if you have nothing to give, you know, and you're going to be like, I'm sorry, I wish I could help her right now. I'm not in a good spot, you know, and like you'll be able to own that. And yeah, I mean. The other thing that he said that I think you could relate to and you've spoke about quite a bit, Jason, is this idea that Gotta let go of those old, unhealthy, using, drinking relationships, right? Right. And that can hurt people's feelings, and that can be difficult. Yeah. But it's cool because, you know, I love the the way that that person explained it was that, you know, you're willing to be a part of those relationships if they're – supportive and and still want to be in a relationship with you that's a great attitude to have because here's what's going to happen if they know that their lifestyle you know they can't like spend a day without drinking or getting high uh to hang out with you then they will disappear at least for a while maybe later that something will change in their life and they're going to reach back out to you you know but either way like i think that kind of stuff works itself out so there's really no point in walking around like trying to like stiff arm people and keep them away from you because people are just going to not either either not want to hang out with you because they you know they want to do something different or they're going to like stay away from you out of respect, you know what I mean, for your journey and what right. you're doing. Right. Um, either way, I mean it's it's pretty rare in my in my experience where I have to deal with somebody in a way where like they won't go away, but they're just being super like toxic and not supportive at all. Like, and then you would might maybe have to tell them to take a hike, but I do think that's the exception for sure. Yeah, it does. It does tend to itself. You are correct. Right. GC pray for the strength and wisdom, even if you don't believe it can't hurt. And the Lord with, I had no options left after 30 years of narcotics and somewhat skeptical about religion and decide what the heck, nothing else works. So praying would be one more disappointment, but a funny thing happened. I prayed for the Lord to guide me to the next right thing because I knew where the, what the wrong thing was. And the next thing you know, I have a bunch of, for no other word, weird things starting to happen. I went from homeless, no license in no clothes basically no reason to live. Well, seven years later, I actually sleep in a bed. I have a driver's license and I have some money in the bank. I play guitar on a worship team. And a wonderful lady who I also prayed for after praying had worked for, uh, so I'm not sure I get that piece of it. 58 years old. I have been in many field relationships and I pray one time, bam, there she is. I have been with her for seven years now and we have not even raised our voices at one another. How in the heck after all the others who I am sure argued with all, <laughs> all in the first year, not someone that is perfect for me. So, so great. Uh, I love what GC is saying here. And that is, it's all about being able to be open to the idea of praying for strength from your higher power. And and being open to what that delivers you, right? It, it speaks uh, to willingness for sure. Like yes. I, I take actions that I don't believe in. I get results that I can't deny. It, exactly. And it speaks to the, I have to act my way into right living. Amen. Right? 
awesome testimony. Thank you. MK, page 79, paragraph two, <laughs> reminding ourselves that we have decided to go to any lengths to find a spiritual experience. We ask that we be given strength and direction to do the right thing, no matter what the personal consequences might be. Yeah. I love that. Love it too. You know, I, that just sprouted to mind. I bet you almost any topic that we've ever done or could ever come up with to do, I bet you we could find a direct quote from the big book that really addresses it. Cause I really, book, yes. That book so, is written oh that God. damn good. Oh my God. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> PD says, I don't qualify actions as either hard or easy. They are either needed or not needed. If I need to do them, uh, I do them. If not, I let circumstances and fate sway my decision to proceed. I think that's a really interesting way to look at it. I don't know if I could look at it that way, but I think it's an interesting way to look at it. Just like going where the wind takes you. kind of. <laughs> and I file that under whatever works for you, right? Right. SF says it doesn't matter why. What does matter is what you do. And action following prayer is the right thing. Right. JC says, uh, because I'm not used to doing the right thing. <laughs> That's yeah. a fair point, JC. It's a fair see, point. See. MG says the right thing is generally the unselfish thing to do. And I'm not used to that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. That was to I your point it. earlier with your story with Alex, man. Indeed, man. <laughs> Indeed. Perfect. We got some callers, brother. I cannot wait. It's time once again to take some calls from the Way Out Podcast listening audience. If you want to call the show, you can call 218-382-1960 and leave us a message on the current week's topic. Your calls make a real difference. So we here at the Way Out Podcast extend a heartfelt thank you for your contribution. So let's bring on the calls. Yeah, all right. We got a good we got a good number of calls, my friend. So I'm gonna pull up the magic calling machine. And uh let's get some some wisdom from the way out podcast caller community. Where is my calling machine? Holy moly. <laughs> I found it. Found it. I freaking found it. Good job. Thanks, man. All right. We have Alan. Hey, it's Alan from Buffalo, Minnesota. Uh, thanks to recovery and 12-step and smart recovery. Um, I've not had the need to use my drug of choice, which is alcohol, for over five years, so I'm very grateful. On the topic today, the thing I can share that I've learned about um, why it's easy to do, for me anyway, to do so easy to do the wrong thing and so hard to do the right thing is that for the longest time um, when I was contemplating recovery and I realized I might have a problem with um, drinking alcohol, um, I tried to think my way into a new way of acting, you know, so I would say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm not going to drink anymore. I'm starting to feel good. Um, and, um, you know, I'm going to make promises and, and let my words do the, my talking for me. 
And, um, you know, thinking that if I thought through my way through it, my actions would follow through. But I, I'm, you know, I'm, I had the phenomenon of craving and ultimately I found my way to the liquor store and buy my drug of choice and uh, pre-planning my relapses at the same time. Mm. Got into recovery, got into mainly, you know, primarily 12 step is what saved my life, but smart recovery is up too. And in 12 step and we're having a sponsor, um, my sponsor started challenging me and saying, you know, why don't you act your way in a new way of thinking? And, and so that's what I do now. And then it's worked out. It works out a lot better. The thoughts come along after the actions and I let my actions do my talking for me. And so my actions tell my family that must have told them they decided to give me trust back again when they were ready. And uh, a recent example, you know, someone that I know in recovery needed some help, and it was last weekend and it needed to be moved. It was a last-minute thing. Um, they have a place in Minneapolis, and they wanted to be moved to a different location for, for their safety and um, didn't have anyone to help them. And, and you know, I my sponsor asked if I'd be willing to help him be of service. And, you know, I just did it. I didn't want to get up early Saturday morning and do it, but I got up and I just did it. And the thoughts uh, about why that was a good idea came much later. So that's what I got on this. Thanks for the Way Out podcast, for all that you do and for helping keeping this alcoholic sober. And I uh, wish everyone a great uh, uh, June weekend. And uh, please be safe. And uh, remember to get to your meetings if you can. And uh, if you want to come to the Smart Recovery Meeting I facilitate, it's Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Central under the name Sleepless in Seattle. Hope you can make it. Take care. Bye. Absolutely. Alan, thank you so much. He runs that Smart Recovery Meeting. I'll put a link to it in the show notes as well, just so if anybody wants to hit that up, you can. I think yes. it's a great uh, additive or a great pathway to recovery, a smart recovery uh, so a uh, big fan of that. And uh, Alan, thank you so much. Really reiterating too, that we have to act our way into right thinking. Like I can't think my way in mm-hmm. into this and I can't think my way out of stuff. I got to make that next right action. Right. I love that guy. I, I've never met him yet, but I don't, I'm going to run into his ass one day and he's going to get a big old bear hug. <laughs> he's uh, great. And, he's I, great. and I appreciate his uh, willingness to share and, and, uh, help you know us out with the uh you know just getting that different perspective man and thank you alan mr eric hey this is eric i'm an alcoholic i'll try this again keep it a little shorter for you guys um (laughs) why it's so easy for me to do the wrong thing and why it can be hard to do the right thing um is because i made all my decisions in life and sometimes still continue to make decisions um dominated by fear of the outcome and um that fear you know set in motion trains of circumstances which brought me misfortune i felt i didn't deserve but i set the ball rolling myself so how do i resolve that fear um you know i need to find courage uh to Courage to have the freedom from the fears that as best as I possibly can can attain to achieve, but then I need also the courage to deal constructively with whatever fear remains. Um, so how do I get over that fear of you know to make the wrong decision, which 
is easier and get, brings me comfort and security and get to get the courage to do what is the right thing is, um, is my reliance on God, my trust in God. Um, you know, that people of courage seldom lack, are lacking of faith. Um, they trust their God. Um, so when it, when it comes time to make those decisions and I, if I'm going to be fully reliant on my higher power, I need to let him demonstrate through me what he can do. So when I make the right decision, I know that I am demonstrating the ability of my higher power to, to make a change in me, to have that courage to overcome the fear and what that could show somebody else. And me knowing that um, shows me that there's a reward that, that's worth doing because I'm so motivated by that end result. Well, to overcome the fear that of doing the right thing and where it'll get me, uh, if I know that that end result is something to help out another person to show what my God has done for me, then it it makes it that much easier to do the right thing um, because I know it won't just have rewards for me. It, it has, you know, multiple, multiple times over rewards for me, another person, another person, and then that person will say, hey, look what that guy did or... Hey, look what God motivated. Tremendous, yeah. Eric. I really love the invoking of the God of your understanding in doing that next right thing, especially when it's difficult or hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that for me really the demonstrating what we are capable of when we're connected to that power greater than ourselves. And I've I've experienced it myself that I'm capable of doing things I was not capable of Mm -hmm. (laughs) prior to that. So uh, that faith over fear thing, right? You know, like, sure. Absolutely. We got one last call and it is from Rachel. Hi, it's Rachel. And I am pondering this question. It's sometimes so good just to have the question posed and be able to face it, you know, to name it and claim it and tame it by sharing about it. And for me, it's, you know, the idea of why it's easy to do the the quote-unquote wrong thing. And, you know, I think the wrong thing is what's wrong, what we know is wrong for ourselves. And yet, we still can't seem to stop ourselves. You know, it could be as simple, and I can just speak personally. I stopped drinking coffee. And then the day came within this past week where, you know, I'm staying with my mom. She's making coffee every morning. And then just one morning, the thought pops in my head, you know, I'm going to have a cup of coffee. And there's nobody else holding me accountable. It was my own condition that I set on myself to not drink coffee. And so here I am drinking coffee again. <laughs> and <laughs> it was just so easy to do the wrong thing because I've been doing the right thing and, and really committed to it. 
And then I have to question, you know, well, what, what, what was my underlying commitment? And, and was I really honoring that commitment? And I, it was the underlying commitment. I was also changing my eating around it and doing green drinks in the morning. And I didn't start doing that. And so, you know, usually there's an underlying commitment or an un, something underneath that, uh, you know, if, why are you using drugs? Is because underneath it you feel socially awkward or you feel like it's the only way that you can be free to talk or if it, you know, it's like you have to go underneath what you're really committed to or what you say you're committed to and, and see are you really, com- what you need to be committed to underneath that. And what are you, so the question about commitment comes up. What are we really committed to? So if I'm committed to being healthy and if I'm committed to, uh, you know, having my body be at optimum energy and be nourishing myself, then I'm going to have a different morning habit than waking up and drinking coffee. You know, I'm going to have hot water and lemon. I'm going to make my celery juice, you know. That's that's what I'll do because I know that that's what's right for me. I know I believe in it. I believe in what that does cellularly and um, what that does for my energy and my consciousness. So the question of commitment and then honor, when we honor what we're really committed to, so now by me sharing this with you, it's holding me even more accountable. Rachel, yeah. I love that for a variety of reasons, not the least of which it goes back to one of the things that we discussed earlier on in the episode, which is who are we trying to be? Who are we aspiring to be? What principles are we trying to live according to? And is this choice in alignment with that and when i orient myself in that way it becomes a lot easier to do the right thing when i think about just right now what i want right now what my ego wants right now often it cuts against that long-term goal of trying to be this person that's living according to these principles right 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 and it does every time, really, you know? Yes, yes. But yet it's, you know, like uh, when we, we shared about this topic in a men's meeting that we did the other day, and this guy said the greatest thing I've, like, ever heard. I, it gives me goosebumps just thinking of it. But he said you think about your neural pathways uh, that, you know, a lifetime of making a certain type of choices that in or, for us to – uh, go ahead and make that kind of choice again. Um, it's like liking it to a luge, you know, like it's deeply worn and it's very slippery. It's, you know, it's ice and it's very steep and you just, and you won't even realize you did it, you know, until you're done. But to make the right choice um, is not a well-beaten path. And it's, a, and it's, and we have yet to build a, uh, or, or wear out that path, you know, like, but, and that's, and that happens by doing it repeatedly. Right. And in so fact, early yeah. we're blazing the trail. Right. 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 Exactly. <laughs> that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. And so therefore you have to realize that, you know, 
yeah, it's uncomfortable when you do it. But when you do it, that's why we're talking about on the show that you get this gratification after it. Maybe not in the moment. It might hurt in the moment, but you're going to get this gratification after that. And it's going to stick with you because it was good, you know, because it was all good. And uh, the more we can do those things and experience that delayed gratification, that kind that sticks around, the, the more worn our path will become. And then maybe the more uh, we will choose that, that path instead of, because I mean, it only takes a split second to go down the, you know, you, once you jump in the luge, you're riding down the luge. You're done. <laughs> you're gone. <laughs> they don't call it a slippery slope for nothing. Oh, dude. It, now you just took that to the next level for me, brother. <laughs> That's good stuff. The idea that this is building muscle that yeah. we talk about all the time, mm-hmm. doing that next right thing, even when it's hard, yeah. applying inventory, reorienting ourselves to understand that our actions now can align to who we're aspiring to be. All of these things in the self-examination are all things that are like building muscle and blazing that trail. Yes. And the more we walk down that trail, the easier it gets to walk down it. The less thorny it gets, right? Amen. The less roots that are going to be tripping us up. We keep doing this thing over and over and over again, and it becomes easier and easier and easier to do. And we realize that we are being rewarded in a way that we've never been rewarded before. And we like, we like, because we are building a life that we want to be in. We were, we are, we are becoming people we want to be. Yeah. And to Rachel's point, you know, it's, it's, you know, being committed to this, we're going to make mistakes on the way as she just clearly, you know, uh, illustrated you know she sat she drank coffee you know and she was like man i've been doing so good with this what the hell did she give up no she's she's hopping back on the horse she's uh holding herself accountable sharing on here with us and i'm sure as she is with her you know healthy love group and her uh serenity sisters and all that stuff that she does for her recovery that's amazing you know like we don't have to give up just because we mess up because we're gonna mess up you know and check out Rachel's episode, by the way, great episode of the Way Out podcast with Rachel and has all of her links and everything else on it. So thank you, yes. Rachel, for calling in and sharing. Love that. You know, when it's hard to do the right thing, I've learned that it's often a choice between long-term reward versus instant gratification. Yes. Or what's unselfish versus selfish. When it feels hard, that's a spiritual signal that my ego and self are getting in the way. I need to reconnect to the God of my understanding and channel that power to do the next right thing, which is always centered in unselfishness, service, and love. And that for me, yeah, man, that for me is the deal. Fantastic show, brother. Absolutely tremendous. Pumps like five times in this (laughs) conversation. (laughs) You know, uh, uh, the we're going to do one last thing and this isn't jason this is an oldie but it's a goodie and i don't know how long it's been oh no (laughs) since we've done this but i'm just gonna put it out there i think it's been far far too long (laughs) 
before this has been. In the spirit of encouraging you, the listener, to leave the Way Out podcast a five-star review, here's 15 seconds of Jason shamelessly and unapologetically begging and pleading for you, yes, you, to leave the Way Out podcast a five-star review. Hey, you guys, you got to leave us a good review on whatever platform you're listening to us on. You have that ability to leave us a review. Uh, let us know what it means to you because it's going to help us get the message out there. And after this, I'm so grateful. That was 15 yeah. seconds of Jason <laughs> shamelessly and unapologetically shilling for five-star reviews from you, the listener. No, seriously, you need to get on that. Oh, that's tremendous. That just, I mean, I oh. was that I was dancing in my chair. I really oh, was. my God. I got goosebumps again. <laughs> Dude, that pissed me off when I ran out of time. I was like, Damn oh, <laughs> like you lost the game show or something. Shit. Yeah. Son of a um, Leave us a damn review. <laughs> yeah, it really does help it really does help other folks find the podcast. It's the single biggest way they can. So right. uh, if you could do that, that would be great. We would be forever grateful for it. Can't and believe we will you fucking did that to me. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot all about that shit, but the second I heard the menacing tone in your voice, I knew what was coming. <sighs> all right thank you you bet all right thank you everybody <laughs> out there in way out podcast land and we will talk to you next time stay blessed guys thank you for being a part of the way out we appreciate your ears we're sharing powerful recovery stories and recovery power topics every week so keep listening up if you would like to reach out to the show you can visit us on the web at wayoutcast.com that's wayoutcast all one word dot com there you can subscribe to the way out podcast on all of the major podcast aggregators such as itunes castbox stitcher TuneIn, podbean overcast and more or simply drop your hosts a friendly email at share at wayoutcast.com if you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the show, contact us at share at wayoutcast.com. See you next time. And remember, if you don't change, your sobriety date will.